The parable which our Lord teaches concerns the two men of varying spiritual dispositions at their prayers. It's a lesson in humility, as the concluding moral makes clear, and it's a lesson against the subtle art of self-justification. Indeed, in consequence of the humble man's prayer, he was given the great grace of justification or righteousness, that most highly prized state of being for the religious Jew. To be made right before the countenance of God is the goal of any devout believer, but has particular meaning for a Christian over and above what it may mean for anybody else. To be justified for us Christians is a mysterious process. That is to say, a supernatural act. One that can't be done by any man, no matter how thoroughly good he may be. At best, all one can do by his own efforts is to detest his sins and do penances for them. But it's completely beyond his power to blot out his sins and to enter or re-enter a supernatural relation to God. Only God can so radically transform and renew a man's being as to make him a child of God. That is to say, to have divine sonship, to possess again within him sanctifying grace, and to be freed from grievous sin. The process basically is this. The Holy Spirit first descends into a man's soul and then, by a miracle, makes it regenerate so that it once again shares in the nature of God and possesses divine sanctity. By a two-way action, the Holy Spirit first expels the sin by pouring in faith, hope, and charity. And this puts the soul into harmony with its supernatural destiny. I want to emphasize to you that this is a stupendous activity, a real miracle, and that it takes place every time a sinner is effectively absolved in confession. And please note further that this is an entirely gratuitous act of God's mercy without any merit on man's part and without any power of man's own. Mortal sin accrues an infinite debt to God.
And sanctifying grace is an infinite good. Both sin and grace, then, have a dimension that's far beyond human nature. Only the God-man, Christ, could have done the work of paying sin's debt and meriting grace. Now, we Catholics don't much use the expression justification, at least not popularly, but prefer to speak about sanctification or rebirth through the sacraments. The Protestant Reformation latched onto the term justification and they made it their own, but in a deformed sense. For non-Catholic Christians, there's no understanding of a supernatural state of a regenerated soul and elevation of human nature to a supernatural level, to the condition of a real and literal holiness, a holiness that belongs to God. That's a Catholic thing. That's a Catholic understanding. When we're justified, first through baptism and then after a confession following mortal sin, we stand in a supernatural relationship to God so that we can achieve our spiritual end, our supernatural end, getting our inheritance as sons of God. To get the picture, the full scope of this mystery, we have to recognize that a mortal sin is not just some human derangement or disfigurement, although it's at least that, and it's not a mere disorder of the will. Sin has a mysterious quality about it because it opposes us to our supernatural state estranging us, separating us from God as the end and purpose of our being. And so, God's not only displeased or chagrined by our sins, but by our sins, He becomes detached from any supernatural relation we may have had with Him. In other words, by a mortal sin, we lose our title and rights of sonship. That's an unspeakably momentous loss. To sew up together again the severed threads of a lost supernatural bond with God, no change of human will suffices. Coming back to a state of grace is not just a matter of human decision. God must intervene to raise us up again to His side by the Holy Spirit. In the classic Protestant view, propagated by Luther and his followers in the beginning of the Reformation, 
Justification means Christ's act of covering up or covering over, cloaking over a sinful soul, a kind of divine forgetfulness, if you will, to remit guilt by means of the sinner's repentance. The church, however, rightly understands that it must be God himself who lifts up a sinner out of a sinful state of deformity, drawing him again unto himself, regenerating him to divine life, restoring his status as a child of God, conferring on him the splendor of the divine nature and divine glory. Catholicism has always had a very high estimation of the potential of humanity with the grace of God. The reason why we do not appreciate so much the miracle or mysterious wonder of the justification of a sinner is because we have little understanding of the mystery of sin. I speak here about mortal sin. When someone commits one of these, the sin inhabits. That is to say, it dwells in the soul. It takes residence there, and it remains there. And so forgiveness is not just the removal of a stain or a blotch, but it's also the restoration of a right condition and an orientation to God. It produces a union with God, re-infusing divine charity and the other virtues that were lost in sin. This is a huge work of reconstruction, of rebuilding, and not some surface washing. It has two parts to it. First, the obliteration of the sin, and then the repossession of sanctifying grace. So then, forgiveness isn't limited to God's forgetting, that is to say, releasing sin's debts against us. Rather, it's the creation of something new, a metaphysical quality that abides or stays in the restored soul. And so we speak in, as Catholics about being in a state of grace. You have to realize that this effect is something that's greater than the raising of a dead man to life. It's the recovery of the divine life in a soul that had completely died in him so that the forgiven sinner becomes a new man, transformed in the uttermost depths of his being. See then the contrast of this renovation of man's interior life with the traditional Protestant view where the sin remains in the sinner's soul, but God, 
by the redemption of Christ, is said merely to make a de declaration of the verdict, not guilty, as if a person were justified. The Catholic Church, however, asserts that mortal sin and grace cannot abide in a soul at the same time. My reason for speaking on this subject today, suggested by the Holy Gospel on justification, is to help make you realize and be thankful for the gift of mercy that's extended to you in confession. And even more, to make you aware of the utterly crucial necessity for you to be converted by a firm detestation of sin and a repentant, which is to say, a sorrowful heart. Without these interior attitudes and without the sacramental confessing of your sins, you will remain in an habitual state of mortal sin which sticks in your soul, which clings to it, corrupting it, deforming it entirely, and depriving yourselves of an heavenly inheritance. Stand in awe of the miracles that God does for you. Miracles which exceed all the wonders of the universe. And work yourselves hard to become, in the words of today's collect, the partakers of God's heavenly treasures.